Welcome to the Quick Talk Podcast with Joshua Latimer, where we discuss business, life, family, faith, struggle, fire, pain, and ultimately winning. It's time to take massive action. Look, I, I can't work harder on your life or business than you do. It's ultimately all on you. You know, God created all the food the birds would ever need, but he doesn't put it in their nest. You've got to go get it. 10 out of 10 people die. So how about doing something today that actually matters while you still can? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Quick Talk Podcast. I am particularly excited because I have been secretly internet stalking one of the members of Russell's Inner Circle ever since I joined last fall uh, because I'm like the new guy in the group and I, I just I eat popcorn and sit in the corner and take notes and I'm trying to absorb and learn because the best way to learn is to keep your mouth shut and open your ears. Now, with my home service company, I had really had figured things out, as you guys know, and I know a lot of you are walking in the fire and you're going through pain and suffering and you're, you're walking in the valley and it's not always a mountaintop, but you are going to figure it out. But for online marketing, as I try to grow my, my software business, I'm keeping my mouth quiet and learning stuff. And Myron is one of the people I've been really just blown away by. Uh, His story is incredible. I'm going to let him unpack it. But just let me give you a a premise here. He grew up very poor, I believe in Florida. And he had a lot of uh, difficulties in adversity. He got polio as an infant. And he's had a brace on his leg. He's a dynamic public speaker. In fact, when I was at Funnel Hacking Live, I I watched (laughs) Myron get on stage and sell, I don't know, Two or three million dollars worth of stuff in thirty minutes. Uh, so how did he? How did he do that? He used to be a garbage man. He has a book called "From the Trash Man to the Cash Man." And Myron, I'm very blessed and thankful that you've taken some time to talk to us. How are you? I am utterly fantastic, Josh, and thank you for that introduction. And I will say, I'm as excited to talk to you as you are to talk to me, my friend. Well, if that's true, then I'm just. I don't even know how to respond to that, but I think, I guess one of the reasons I was like really, really extra starstruck by you particularly was because of the Bible, because I'm a Christian and my podcast isn't a Christian quote unquote podcast, but you can't separate things. I mean, they're inter, they're interchangeable with my life. And what's really interesting about your story, yes, you've made millions and millions of dollars in a variety of ways. You're insanely good at public speaking and closing on the stage and doing all these things that to me are like, oh my gosh, how does someone do that? It's insane. But you you study like biblical mechanics and like Bible success. And I know you have a new podcast called Bible Success Success Secrets. Can you like tell us a a little bit about your history and how this all happened and what you're doing? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. So first of all, like you said, I had polio as an infant, right? So when I was a little kid, um, I've got six brothers. And so my brothers can all you know, they're all athletes as well. They can run, they play basketball. We used to play a lot of basketball growing up. We played a lot of baseball growing up, but I couldn't run. So, so a lot of times when my brothers were running and doing things, I couldn't do that. So I just kind of sat around and thought about things. I mean, it sounds, sounds kind of weird. And I would, I would really watch movement, how people move and watch how people interact and, and really became a student of people and human nature and how people do what they do and why people do what they do as a kid. So that was that was kind of fascinating. And and I'm one of those people who did really well in school all the way through the third grade. And um, (laughs) it went it went downhill from there. So academics were not my strong suit. Right. It just it just like I was really good in school as long as I was interested. But around the third grade, I started realizing that it was extremely redundant and I started getting bored. And so 
I, I think became, a lot of entrepreneurs feel like that. We we love education, but not the structured form. We love to learn, but not formal education. What is it? Just right. an entrepreneur yeah, we, thing? Probably it probably is. It's it, it was because it just seemed to me to be such a huge waste of time. I mean, I'm, I'm in the third grade. What do I really have to do? I don't know, but certainly I have more to do than sit there and do the same stuff I already did last year. Um, so it just it just didn't make sense to me. So. For literally from the fourth grade to graduating from high school, I struggled through school more because I hated it than because I couldn't do it. It just didn't make sense to me. Um, and I, I say that because the miseducational system, that's what I call it, um, <laughs> the miseducational system. I also call it government indoctrination camps. But um, the miseducational system um, lies to two groups of children. It lies to the children who do well in school and it lies to the children who don't. It tells you if you don't do well in school, then you can't do well in life, and it messes up people that way. Mm. And then it tells people if you do do well in school, you're automatically going to do well in life, and it messes up those people because they get out there and find out that's not true. Mm-hmm. So so, um, so I kind of became this guy who hated the way – I hated status quo at an early age because status quo just didn't make sense to do something just because everybody else was doing I'll give you a perfect example. I can remember as a child in elementary school collecting baseball cards and trading baseball cards because it was fun. It was just something fun that kids did, right? So we used to play baseball cards and trade baseball cards with other people, et cetera, et cetera. But other kids knew the stats of all these different football players and all these different baseball players, and how many home runs they had and how many RBIs they had. And I thought to myself, that is so fascinating. Why would you take – in the elementary school now, I'm thinking this. Why would you take a part of your life and memorize – that much information about somebody else's life who doesn't even know you. It just didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's amazing to me now that when I perceive that as an adult, like if I, if I happen to sit down and watch part of the NBA playoffs, I think to myself, that is amazing that that many people find it so important. Like tens of thousands of people will go into an arena and watch somebody else live rather than going out and living a life that other 10,000 people would like to come watch. I have a theory about that myself because like, especially men, we watch a movie like Braveheart or like Rocky mm-hmm. or something, and right. we kind of trick our brain into feeling like we're strong and we're powerful because we're caught mm. up in this other story rather than actually mm. doing actual things that make it like like being a dad. I have five kids. Like it's not mm-hmm. a super sexy thing every two seconds to be a dad. Like there's just normal drudgery of daily life, but it's chopping that wood and having integrity and doing the right thing in the boring parts, you know, that make you a good dad. But we just yeah. want the glory part Absolutely. of it without the hard fire. Mm-hmm. I call it the fire, walking through the fire. But what do you think about that? Mm. Oh, absolutely. What if you think about it? So let's even. T- like if you talk about the word dad, see, dude, you can, you're going to get me chasing rabbits, dude. We're going to have rabbits stew all over podcast <laughs> universe, right? Um, That's okay. So you think about the word father. The Hebrew word for father is the word Abba. Now, in English, you spell the word Abba, A-B-B-A, which it's just a word that's spelled and sounds that way, right? But in the Hebrew language, like every Hebrew letter means something. And so every letter has its own definition. And in Hebrew, the word Abba is spelled with two letters, Aleph, Beit, right? So you say, what's the significance of that? Well, the letter Aleph represents God, and the letter Beit represents house. So the word father in Hebrew means God in the house. And it doesn't mean like I'm God in this house, and if you don't behave, I'm going to strike you with one of my lightning bolts. That's not what it means. It means the father is like God in that the father is the progenitor of the house. 
The father is like God in the fact that he is the provider of the house. The father is like God in that he is the protector of the house. So the father is like God in that he is the praiser of the house. He's the one who praises the children, you know, um, as a finding pot for silver, furnace for gold. So is a man unto his praise. So I've got a responsibility in my house to progenerate, right, to procreate. That's why I have children. I've got a responsibility in my house to be the protector, the provider, and the praiser in my house. And I have the ability to create all of that because I am God's representative in my house. And so for me, it's a great honor and a great responsibility to be a father because I am representing God to my wife and to my children. Mm-mm-mm. I love so that anyway, so much. Well, I told you told you I was going to chase rabbits, bro. We're, we can chase rabbits all day because this, this is so important. And I want to tie what you just said back into – business from a Christian perspective, because I'm not you know, sure. going to apologize that I'm a Christian, not all of our listeners are, that's okay, because the principles that yeah. you're going to talk about later are applicable regardless. But when well, it comes to, oh, go exactly. ahead. No, I was just going to say all principles, always, all principles um, always work the same for everybody. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not, not a Christian, if it rains and you're outside, you're going to get wet. So, <laughs> but, right. So if you're outside in the sunshine and you're going to get warm. So it's yeah, you can be a Christian. I'm a Christian, whatever. And we don't have to try to make other people who what we are, but we can just go ahead and be who we are and understand that regardless of who you are, the principles are going to do what the principles do in your life. Right. When what I was going to get at is that a lot of people want to be a good father. So they think because they desire it, that they can be it or mm. they want to be a millionaire or have a huge automated successful business with dozens of employees. They desire it, but they don't understand that desire by itself doesn't do anything. And so I especially it actually makes me a little frustrated, a lot frustrated. Christian entrepreneurs hesitate more sometimes because they have false beliefs about money. They, they're scared to be successful. They feel bad to sell stuff or they just feel like God's supposed to just put it in their lap or something. The quote at the opening of our podcast, Myron, is that God gives the birds all the food that they'll ever need, but he doesn't put it in their nest. (laughs) It's like, why, why won't they go out and club something and drag it home? Like, let's go start talking about like entrepreneurship the way our brains work, why we're so screwed up in the head and we're not getting it done. Absolutely. It's really interesting. Um, Like I said, it's our responsibility. It's an honor as well as a responsibility. The word responsibility means to respond with ability, right? So, So if I've got a responsibility to do something, that means I have the ability to respond with that ability. Like we can do so much more than we believe we can do, but we can't do we we can't do it unless we believe we can do it. Expectation is our greatest superpower. And expectation manifests itself in our in our minds. We call it a fact, right? A fact that goes into our mind. And that fa- the fact of expectation lands in our mind as a two-sided coin. It's like it's flipped. Every circumstance, flip, two-sided coin. If it lands on tails, it manifests itself as doubt. It lands on heads, it manifests itself as faith, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But that fact of faith or doubt in our head migrates down and creates a feeling in our heart. Yes. Oh, yes, it does. Oh, word. Yes. 
Massively. <laughs> Massively. Because right. I struggle with this. So, like, at the end of my other business, I, I had I was at the pinnacle of confidence. I understood the levers, the mechanisms, the gears. The, I understood that business. And the business I'm in now, we're succeeding, quote, unquote, but I'm so freaked out that I'm going to miss something or that I'm, like, it's my game to lose. And we're so close to having Ooh. huge success. It's actually slowed me down. I haven't shared this with the podcast, but I am very transparent and vulnerable on this podcast. But it's in my head bad right now, and it probably has something to do with what you're saying. Oh, okay. So so let me unpack this for you then. So when it lands as a two-sided coin in our heart, it manifests itself as anxiety or anticipation. Okay? Anxiety is the thief of our dreams. A lot of people think, well, I don't do this because I'm afraid. No, no, no. No. It's You're mistakenly attributing anxiety to fear. Here's the difference between anxiety and fear. First of all, fear can serve you. Fear can be a good thing. Anxiety is never a good thing. So here's the difference between fear and anxiety. Fear is when I have caution over a real and present danger. Anxiety is when I have caution over a future imagined danger. Oh my gosh. That is huge. Oh, it's huge, bro. It's huge. It gets. Are you ready for it to get more huger? Please, <laughs> bring the hugeness. Drop the hugeness on us. Okay, so here we go. If so, anxiety is when I'm, I have caution over a future imagined danger. So, what happens when I have anxiety? I'll tell you what happens. My heart palpitates. My hands sweat. My forehead sweats. I I, I can't move. I'm paralyzed. I either have to sit down or lie down, and but I can't go to sleep. What's that about? Well, here, now I'm going to give you the definition of anxiety. Anxiety is wasting present energy on a future outcome that is undesirable to me. What do uh, I mean by that? Yeah, even though the outcome isn't certain, like you, just the possibility of it paralyzes me from taking the correct actions, Absolutely. habits, and behaviors right now. Right. My heart's palpitating, but I'm not running. My head is sweating, but I'm not working. So why? Because I'm using energy. I'm wasting energy. Why do I say wasting? Because I'm expounding, I'm expending energy, but that energy is not going into anything. It's just, I'm just it's like a car sitting in park, revving the engine at 5,000 RPMs while you're in park. You're burning gas, you're wasting energy, you're making noise, but you're not going anywhere. And just like in a car, if you sit there and you in park and you rev the engine of that car up, you hold it all the way to the floor, that car engine will blow in less than probably probably in less than 10 minutes if you have it full rev. Why? Because you're wasting that present energy and you're not using it for anything. Energy was created by God to be used, not to be wasted. So that's what anxiety is, wasting present energy on a future outcome that's undesirable. And you ever heard somebody say that don't worry because the things you worry about, worrying about something makes it happen? Yes, what you focus you know, on you find or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the reason worrying about something makes it happen is because when I'm worried about a thing, I'm wasting the energy that I could use to fix it. I'm wasting that energy thinking about it, anxi- having anxiety over it, which robs me of the energy to do the thing that could fix it. That's why worrying about something makes it happen. Yeah, you know, you'll see like a, a, a single mom who is, she doesn't know what she wants out of life. She only knows what she doesn't, knows what doesn't, she doesn't want. Right. Like I asked exactly. my sister in her early 20s, I said, well, what kind of guy do you want to marry? She said, well, I don't want someone that's lazy. I don't want someone who smokes weed. I don't want this. I don't. 
And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, what? And it, look, here's the weird part, Myron. Yeah. I intellectually understand this stuff. I mean, the way you explained right. it is mind-boggling. I haven't heard it like that. But but how do we modify – like, how do I snap out of it? Like, it's not an information problem as much as it oh. is a behavior problem it, is the way right. I'm perceiving it. What do I well, do? Well, okay. So think about it like this. So – if you have a fact in your head, it creates a feeling in your heart, but that feeling in your heart always produces a function in your hand. So think about it like this. I mean, and it's how it works. In, 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 in the book of Romans, what does it say? It says you have obeyed from the heart, so you've obeyed. That's the hand. That's the function in your hand. From the heart, that's the feeling in your heart. That doctrine which we've given you, that was the fact in your head. So transformation always goes head, heart, hands. Head, heart, hands. Head, heart, hands. That's the cycle, right? What you know determines how you feel. How you feel determines what you do. The reason people don't take action on something they should do is because they don't feel like it. And so the thing you have to do is not learn how to make yourself take action. You got to learn how to make yourself feel like taking action. It's so true because there's certain times when I'm not productive and it's like embarrassing, but then I'll have a moment of inspiration where I'm on fire and I will produce more output, whether it's building a product or writing as copy for something, whatever. Oh, absolutely. Like, and it's like, it just flows out, right? And you can get more done in a day than you could in two weeks. But when you're in that zone of feeling exactly. and belief and, and all that stuff. Exactly. So, so how you do it is this. So if anxiety is wasting present energy on a future outcome that is undesirable to you, then we, the opposite side of that coin is called anticipation. And that's anticipation is when you gain present energy from a future outcome that is desirable to you. It's the exact opposite. Say, so what do you mean gain present energy from a future outcome? I'm, yes. I'm gonna give you a perfect I'm gonna give you a perfect example. Are you ready? Yes. Do you remember when you were a little kid on Christmas Eve and you knew what you were getting the next day? Oh could baby. you go to could you go to sleep? It's impossible. It's impossible. Your <laughs> mind races like a million miles a minute. But, but wait a minute, you've been up all day. Why aren't you tired? Because your anticipation of tomorrow it's got you bringing you so much joy that it's giving you present energy because you're focused on that future outcome that's desirable to you. Wow. So it what we changes have to everything. To do, it changes everything. So what we have to learn how to do is we have to learn how to replace the anxious apprehension of the outcome we don't desire with the joyful anticipation of the outcome we do desire. In other words, when I find myself in a moment of anxiety and worry and trepidation, I've got to see clearly the outcome that I desire. Now, how do I see a different outcome than the one I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I've got to go meet this prospect today. If they, if they, if, if I get this deal, I've got to go talk to this potential client today. If I get this deal, then it's going to be great. It'll change my business for the rest of the year. But if I don't get it, I'm going to feel like a loser. Then I'm not going to want to talk to anybody for three weeks. Right. Right. Uh, okay. So how, how do I, how do I, like, wh- how do I like make it work in that moment? Well, you have to like all, almost everything that we feel. Every, in fact, everything that we feel with regard to anxiety or anticipation it is a direct result of the outcome we are seeing in our imagination. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So one of the things that I teach people is words are not just things we use to communicate. Words are the window through which we see the world. So. When you change what you say, it changes what you see. And there are so many examples of that. Like affir- uh, Jim affirmations, for example? Oh, even better than affirmations. So Jim Rohn told the story about how they interviewed 1,500 inmates in prison just to find out what in the world caused all these people to end up this way, right? 
and they found something they weren't looking for. You know what they found that they weren't looking for? That all of the inmates who were in prison had in common? Hmm. No. They all they all had a very small vocabulary. Really? Yeah, right? Okay, so that's that's powerful, but it gets better. Are you ready? Yeah, mm-hmm. they all had a very small vocabulary. And then he said, words are not just the things we use to communicate. Words are the window through which we see the world. And if you have a small vocabulary, you don't need a much larger space than a six by eight cell to live in. Ooh. Is that powerful? That's powerful. And even the small vocabulary they had was limited to like negative, not good, exactly. destructive exactly. words in the first place. Exactly. So, so one of the things that you, one of the, what I, what I do practically, if I find myself in a situation where I'm, where, where the anxiety of the future outcome feels inescapable to me, I will go somewhere in a quiet place and I will write down how I would like it to turn out with clear and very vivid terms. And I will read it out loud to myself over and over and over again. I know that sounds, sounds hokey. It sounds corny, but what happens, one of the things that I've learned to do is to only give energy to outcomes. I desire, I give no energy to outcomes. I don't desire like, um, my, my son, (laughs) my son calls it my distortion reality field. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you start, when you, distortion reality. when you separate to go write that down, you don't feel like writing it down, right? Nope. So, so you're overwhelmed. Nope. There's an anxiety moment. And when you start reading it, you think this is so corny. This is so stupid. You don't feel like reading it. Right. But so, you do it anyway. Here's why. Mm-hmm. Because doubt is created in the eyes. Faith is created in the ears. So if I say something, a reason I read it out loud, with like I'll give myself a seminar. That's amazing. And I'll talk myself into only expecting the outcome I desire. I, I, would, I, zero would, energy. I would assume it gets easier for someone like you that's been doing this for a long time. You've sold millions of dollars worth of product. You've done so – and just to, not to totally pivot, but like when you're at Funnel Hacking Live, Russell on the cuff, off the cuff, like asked you to come up there. He's like, hey, Myron, will you sell a few more million dollars worth of this product? We're like, you, just go, <laughs> you just go up there. And these people, and what's really crazy is he was selling this $18,000 high ticket offer to marketers who know that they're being marketed to, who like, oh, know, they, know. they understand Russell's entire process that he does in front of them. And then he, but he brings you up. You're like the, mm-hmm. the left hook that they didn't see coming or something. But, right. and it's not manipulation, which I want to talk about all that too. I want to yeah, talk well, about we, we can unpack but that anyway, too, so you do that, like, that's mm-hmm. insane. So may, maybe we do transition into like, how did you get to that place? How do you go up okay. there off the cuff and sell three million bucks worth of stuff? In so, so, so a couple things. Couple things. First of all, um, Russell had already done the presentation, so people had seen the offer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm in Russell's inner circle, as you know, it's fifty thousand dollars a year, mm-hmm. and um, I said, "Wow!" Even though, so I asked them the day before, "Do inner circle members get the two comma club X?" And they said, yeah, but then the next morning they said, well, I gave you bad information. You don't get it. So I already knew I was getting it, right? Because mm-hmm. it made too much sense. I mean, he just marched 17 people across the stage who made $10 million using his process. Right. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm not missing out. I'm not missing. I'm, I ain't the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I'm not a wooden spoon, right? I'm not missing out on that. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I'm getting it. So I believed in it, right? And so in my own, like, I already knew that, in my heart of hearts, it was the, a, a great opportunity for everybody in that room. 
So because I was already sold on it, I just basically shared, I helped them think about it in a different way. So here's, here's what's really, I'm going to read something to you. I'm going to read something to you. This, awesome. is, this is really going to be good. So, so you've heard people say people love to buy, but they hate to be sold. You've heard that, right? Yes. I've said that okay. actually. Okay. So now you're gonna you're gonna smash my my dreams into a million pieces. No, Keep going. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm just gonna say <laughs> that that is not true. Okay, that's not. It's just not true. People love to buy and they love to be sold. Hmm. Okay, so, but no, Myron, I hate to be sold. No, no, you love to be sold. Here's what people love and hate. People love to be persuaded, but they hate to be convinced. Ooh, yep, huge difference. Okay. Huge difference, and I'm gonna I'm gonna unpack the difference. Like I don't like just using words; I like to define words, right? So, so here's per, here persuasion persuasion versus convincing. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. And this is the difference and the difference maker. Here we go. People hate to be convinced, but they love to be persuaded. You know what people hate more than they hate to be convinced? They hate to have to convince somebody. People say, "I, I hate sales." You don't hate sales; you hate convincing people. That's, you would love sales. That's true. You never learned how to do it, right? Okay, so here's the difference between convincing and persuading. Convincing is when you are attempting to get people to do something you desire them to do for your reasons. So because you're trying to get them to do it for your reasons, you, you have your fear. If they don't do it, now you're hurt, right? Because So you're trying to convince them to do it so that you get a benefit. That's called convincing, right? Right. Here's persuasion. Helping people come to a realization that you've already come to for their own reasons. Man, that's so part. So that, now that is insane. I have no vested interest. Like buy it or don't buy it. I don't like my life. I already bought it. My life is already better. So now it's all about you. Buy it or don't buy it. I'm just helping people come to a realization that I've already come to. And the reason, the way I do that is by going back and unpacking the things I had to think about in order for me to come to the conclusion. Well, okay, I'm just going to lay it out here because I don't know when I'm going to talk to you again. I joined Russell's Inner Circle in the fall. One of the reasons I joined it was I was fascinated by. How he he sells really hard, like he's markets hard, right? But he, mm-hmm. every time I'd see his stuff, I was still I liked him, and I really mm-hmm. felt like he's legit. He does care about people. He has five kids. Oh, I learned more about his story. I know that he. I know it's real. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, for me, is that I deeply. This is going to sound so cheesy to my listeners. I promise you, this is the truth. Okay. I desperately care about the people that I serve, have influence over, and help, like, big time. Like, keep me up at night, pray. Like, I care so oh. much. And I, But one of the things that actually hurts me, Myron, mm-hmm. unless I'm just telling myself a story or something, is mm-hmm. I feel like it's harder for me to sell. Like, it's, it's very exhausting for me to sell. So I do it, right. and I do have mm-hmm. the place of, like, wanting to serve. Yes, it's good for them, whatever. But I can't detach um, what people will think of me because I'm trying to sell it really hard from just yeah. just pure service or whatever. Does that make sense? What do you think about that? It, 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 well, it does, but that's okay. So if I, I, I'm right there beside you, here's what I'm going to say though. Like anything that you believe, you were not born believing it, right? Right. The right. beliefs that you have were installed in you. And unfortunately, most of the beliefs you have weren't installed in you by you. They were installed in you by someone else. Mm-hmm. So what you have to do is you have to go, like get somewhere and spend some time alone with you and God or, or you by yourself. If you don't believe in God, <laughs> by the way, a little sneaky side note, he'll be there anyway. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> yes, anyway, he will. anyway, so, um, and figure out exactly, exactly what beliefs will serve you best 
give you the ability give you the ability to serve the people you serve best and decide to have those beliefs right be, because you can be in, you can be you can be haphazard about what you believe or you can be intentional about what you believe so if you're intentional about what you believe you're going to decide on your beliefs beforehand right it, it reminds me of a quote i wrote down that from you from a youtube video i watched of you earlier and what I wrote down, this is something you said, it was a few years ago, but it's, it's, you told someone to stop waiting for permission to be an active participant in their own life. In their own life. Yeah. That's like yeah, mic exactly. drop epicness. But <laughs> yeah, it kind of taught, like yeah. what you're, you're saying, no, 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 Josh. Okay, push pause. Get clear yeah. again on why yeah. you're doing this, why it's about, yeah. and then go back yeah. and do this stuff. See, see, one of the greatest quotes I ever heard, I think I heard John Maxwell say it, like Jesus had nothing to prove nothing to lose and nothing to hide. So a lot of times when we're afraid to step into our rightful place in anything in our assignment, it's because we have something to prove. We want people to believe something about us. We have to detach ourselves. See, here's what, here's what I like. I'm 56. I'll be 57 in a couple of weeks. Right? So, so literally, um, one of the things that I've learned in life is to not put a whole lot of energy into attempting to make people think something about me. Because here's the reality. People are going to think about me what they think about me based on who they are more than based on who I am. So I don't, I don't, like, I'm going to do the right thing be- because I want to live with myself and I want to do the right thing so God will be pleased with me. Now, what happens in the minds and lives of people when they think about me after that, that's none of my business. Yeah. Right? It's, so It's so good, man. I knew you were so, going to bring the fire. You're just bringing it. I need to dump some water on my head here. Can, can we talk you're, you're, next? You're a mess, Will. You're a mess. I love it. Can we talk next about the uh, – it's almost like a value ladder, but you call it the four levels of value. But then you give this really cool analogy about the ra- like foot racing someone versus if you – let you know financial leverage. And Can you let, oh, yeah. talk about that? That's super powerful. So, okay. So before we go there though, let's, let, let's, finish, talking about, let's finish talking about convincing and persuading. Okay. And then, then I'll go there. Like you, you, you have my undivided attention until two p.m. Eastern. So, so you I got think me. I think I got scared of finishing it, and so I ran away to the next topic. <laughs> Since you called me out, here, here I'll just you can like coach oh, coach hilarious. me for the next few minutes. So here's what happened. I, I you, deeply <laughs> care about what people think about me a lot. Mm-hmm. Like way mm-hmm. too much. It's and I don't want to right. because when you said well, what other people think of me, it's kind of like it's their problem. It's none of my business. It's none of my business. I understand that intellectually, but why can't I modify my behavior even though because it's in my you, head, well, you, you, but it's not good in my heart. What you do I can. Do? So 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 there's like you have to learn something. You have to learn something new to live something new, right? Um, I always say people would do better if they knew better, right? Because remember what we said. The doctrine comes in your head, then the feeling comes in your heart, and then the function comes out of your hand. So basically, you're, the function that's coming out of your hand with regard to being overly concerned with what you think other people think about you. Notice how I said that. Yes. Not, you're not overly concerned with what that. people think. You're overly <laughs> concerned with what you think people think. I, I go even farther than that. Think, I, I'm scared that they're going to think that I think that I'm awesome. But I don't. I'm actually super like not like that. But I, I do all these crazy fake outcomes, like what we talked in the in the beginning of the show, and it's just exhausting and pointless. But I know that for me to get to the next level, I can make a million dollars. I've made a million dollars several times. It's exhausting and pointless. That's exactly what it is. It's ex- it's exhausting and pointless. I, and I know it, but what I see for me going one to ten million, because I'm trying to get to ten million in revenue per year. 
I something has to change with how hard I push and mm-hmm. it's holding me back. Well, well, okay. So here's one thing you do. So stop, stop trying. Stop trying to go to ten million. There's like there's no try. There's no try. There's do and there's don't do. Like there's no try. Like you want to get to ten million, eliminate try from your vocabulary and say, well, I'm taking my business to ten million. You can say, I, I'm taking my business to ten million, Lord willing. I'm taking my business to ten million by the grace, whatever. But the reality is, you have to make a decision. And then you have to let the chips fall where they may, right? Not trying. Trying trying is a is a word with no real definition. That is so true. It kind of delete it deletes the whole power of your claim in the first place. It does. It's a back door. It's it's a back door through which I'm allow that I'm building in advance to allow myself to escape if I don't keep my word to myself. You, did you get to meet Trevor Chapman at the Inner Circle in Boise? I did. I did. I did not. I have. I've, I met him once. I've met him once. Well, he's kind of a crazy guy, super smart, and he he said something one time that caught me. And he's talking about how people try to create, they try to craft in their head a perfect plan for a perfect future outcome, even though that's impossible, and that holds mm-hmm. them back. Like maybe mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to do. Is like, well, like I, I won't even try it until I know with certainty and perfection that this is the exact path, rather than just going for it and letting the chips fall. So let's say I tell you, I want you to coach me now, okay? Let's say I tell you, okay, Josh, here's the deal. I'm coming to Michigan, right? I want to hang out with you. We're going to spend some time. I'm on my way. I'm, I'm coming to Michigan from Florida. I live in Florida. You're in Michigan. I'm coming to Michigan, right? Okay. So now I want you to ask me a question. Myron, when are you leaving? Ask me that question. When are you leaving, Myron? As soon as I can see the Michigan state line. <laughs> when do I get to Michigan? <laughs> Never. Ever. Never. People who feel like they have to know everything before they do anything, never do anything, and they never get to learn anything. Man. See, I was, everything you said is true. It's like this truth beatdown of truth, which I'm super grateful for. I'm going to go listen to my own podcast before I publish it. <laughs> You're a nut, dude. I love it. I love it. Oh so, my God. So, so here's what we have to do. We have to stop being convincers. Disconnect ourselves. We have to disconnect ourselves from the need to need people. Like, I need people to believe me. I need people to trust me. I need people to buy my stuff. Stop being a needer of needers and start being a leader of leaders. Oh. Start, start leading people. That's start so good. And, um, and, and, and let the chips fall where they may. Let your message do what your message does. And the people and the people who it, who it rings true with, they'll do what they're supposed to do. And the people who it doesn't ring true with, they won't do what they're supposed to. I mean, they won't follow you anyway, but you have to make sure the message is clear so you don't attract the wrong people. Yeah. I always tell people to not build business systems for the anomaly. Meaning like, you don't, you don't, <laughs> well, you don't rip so apart. Good, dude. Right. But that's what I do to myself. It's like I, I, I twist or distort my actual passionate message of the products and services that we have because just in case that one guy might think that I think the thing or they won't like me or so, which is insanity, but really it is. I mean, yeah, it's logically irrefutable and you're totally right. Yeah. So, so what we have to do is we, we just have yeah, be who you to be. And the chips fall where they may. Let it do what it does. Let it be what it is. Don't, don't, Jesus had nothing. Don't, don't go through life trying to prove stuff to you. They don't care. Jesus had nothing to hide. Live your life as a life of integrity so that you have nothing to hide. Right? 
And yes. so think about it like this. Like, um, Jesus had nothing to hide. He had nothing, he had nothing to hide. He lived a life of integrity, so he had nothing to hide. He had nothing to lose. Like, literally, just know that everything that's meant for you is going to be yours anyway, so you don't have to worry. Stop worrying about manufacturing outcomes and be faithful to the process. Can you, can you say that again? It's cutting out again. Do you say stop trying to manufacture what? Outcomes. Stop trying to manufacture outcomes and focus on being faithful to the process and let the process produce what only the process can produce. Well, maybe that's a good transition into for the next few minutes to talk about the process. So, so even like, even when you talk about sales, okay, so let's go ahead and talk about the process. So understand. Okay. So do you want me to go deep into process or you just want me to like cover the surface stuff? Cause I didn't do either one. And I'm go, good go either deep. Way, Why you not? Yeah. I mean, the last few things I wanted to talk about after this was like just the law of advancement. And you said a quote about how many apples are inside <laughs> of an apple seed. That one blew my mind, but we can wrap up with that. So take as long That's as you hilarious. want. Okay. So, okay. So we're going to be here for the next six hours. That's cool. I can dig it. I can dig it. I can have one too. Okay. So. Hey everyone, I hope that you are enjoying this interview. Our connection got interrupted, which was so frustrating because Myron was on a roll. But I did reconnect with him after we got the signals kind of figured out and stuff. So this was actually later in the day because we couldn't get it to work. But we're going to pick it up right from where he left off. Hey everybody, we're back with Myron Golden. Sorry we had some technical difficulties. Sometimes when you're recording greatness... Weird stuff happens, but we're not going to let that hold us back. Myron, I want you to pick up where you left off. We're talking about the process, the financial leverage process, or those four levels of whatever, and go take us where you want to take us. Okay, so so, so I, I, Genesis is my favorite book in the Bible, and when we talk about the process, what we have to do is we have to go back to Genesis, and we have to look at how God set the whole thing up, right? So the first thing that we see is Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So a lot of people read that. They don't really get what all is going on there. But a lot happened in those uh, 10 words, right? A lot happened. Um, and what happened, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Understand that we as human beings, we experience life on this planet, which is governed by the laws of physics, right? So the laws of physics are how we ha how we as human beings can operate in the realm of time, space, and matter. There have been volumes written about physics. I love the concept of physics, but there have been volumes written about physics. And the interesting thing about it is God established the laws of physics, which entire volumes have been written about in one sentence. In the beginning, before that there was no time, so now we have time. God created the heavens, that's space. And the earth, that's matter. So God, so Genesis 1-1 establishes the platform. The plat what, what platform? The platform on which we operate. Everything else that we do. <laughs> the platform of re reality. <laughs> uh, the, well, actually, are you ready for this? The platform of physicality. Mm. Now, you say, Myron, well, why did you make that as a, um, as a um, difference, difference maker? Like, not the platform of reality, but the platform of physicality. Here's why. Because most people make the mistake of thinking that physicality is reality, but physicality is not reality. Physicality mm -hmm. is just the manifestation of reality. Mm -hmm. 
What do I mean by that? Well, reality is invisible. In fact, we know this already. This is not like, I'm not talking about metaphysics. I'm not talking about hocus pocus. I'm not even talking about pseudo spirituality. I'm talking about like, in, we know already, scientifically speaking, that every physical thing that we can see, touch, and smell, every, everything is made of molecules that we cannot see. Not only that, if you go down, if you want to really nerd out, we can go all the way to string theory. We, there's a multi-dimensional it's, model in quantum physics now. It's exactly. widely known that there's at least 10 dimensions. Some people say more. What's really crazy to go down a rabbit trail, because I know you're nerd and love this stuff, is I was exactly. reading string theory, like in a nutshell, is basically vibrations, mm-hmm. which when you, oh, this gives me chills. But you think about Jesus Christ being the word. Right? Mm-hmm. Nothing was made that and, wasn't made and, by... He's the word. And then we find out, after all the science and all the hoopla, they're like, all of reality is held I mean, together is, by vibrating. Vibration. Vibration. Right. Yeah. And, 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 Unbelievable. And, and what's really interesting, so, I mean, even if you go back to... See, I wasn't going to go there. See, now you're doing this, Josh. You're doing it again. Okay. So... <laughs> in, in, I can't help in, it. <laughs> in John 1.1 1, 1 is the parallel passage to Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. Genesis 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Right? But did you know that there is a Hebrew word in Genesis 1-1 that is not translated into English because it is non-translatable? Did you know that? No. Okay. So in John 1-1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That's John 1-1 and 2, right? So, in the beginning was the Word. Well, in, in, in English, in Genesis 1-1, it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. But... In, in, in Hebrew, it says, Berashit bara Elohim et. Et is the word that is not translated into English. Berashit bara Elohim et. Hashemaim va'et aharetz. So it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Berashit, in beginning. Bara, created. Berashit bara Elohim, God. Et. Et is Aleph Tav. In other words, in the beginning, God, the Aleph Tav, created heaven, and with the Aleph Tav, created earth. Aleph Tav is the Aleph, the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Tav, the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which means it's not a word. It's it's not even actually a word that's translatable into any language. In even in Hebrew, it's not even. It, it's a word with no definition. It is the. It is the. Um, it is the. The, it's a definite, direct object marker. But basically, when Jesus said in Revelation, I am the first and the last, I'm the beginning and the end, I am the what? What, what does it say? I am the what? Alpha and omega. and omega. Right. But Jesus was not Greek. So he would not have said, I am the Alpha and Omega. He would have said, I am the Aleph Tav. Which is et? Which is et. Aleph Tav. Exactly. Wow. That's a mind okay. bomb. Uh, oh, oh, dude. It, it's even, it's so much of a mind, Bob. So so what the Aleph Tav includes the Aleph to Tav and every letter in between and the meaning of all those letters in between. It is the word, just like you just talked about string theory, vibration, the Aleph Tav. Anyway, see, see, you got me geeking out again, and I wasn't yeah. even trying to go there, but you get me on these rabbit trails, and then the next thing you know, life changing, unbelievable goose, but it's goosebump per, per creating rabbit trails. Go- exactly. If the rabbit trails create goosebumps, I am in every time. Okay. Look, okay. life is epic. Okay. We always our, life, in exactly. our house, everything is epic. A blade of grass is literally epic. Life is exactly. epic. Consciousness is epic. Every freaking thing is epic, and I try to tell the listeners of the podcast every single day is that grind and I try to inspire and motivate them like 
Like what you're doing matters, the ripple effects, your community, the employees, the people you have influence over your leadership, your vision. You're able to take something the from your whole, brain that doesn't the exist. Oh nine. Ugh. See? See, you already get it. Why are we even talking? Why are we talking right now? Like everybody gets this already. We're probably boring. <laughs> no, I think it's gonna. It's I'm, somebody that's eating potato chips on their couch just got up, ran out the door to go do some door knocking to sell some more accounts. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you think about the platform, the platform is time, space, and matter, right? That's the platform. But now, Josh, I'm telling you, I'm about to unpack something for you, bro. It's gonna get juicy around here, okay? So <laughs> I got my raincoat. So, okay, cool. So, so think about it. The it's the um, the platform is time, space, and matter. So that's the first part of how God set it up. Time, space, matter. Here's the second thing we notice. The second thing we notice is we have to look at the first thing God says to man. The very, I call it the first command. And it happened long before the first, before the Ten Commandments. What it was the first thing God said to man. Would you agree that whatever the first thing God said to man, that's got to be the most important thing? The first thing he said to Adam. Yes. Uh... Was that when he told him to subdue the earth? What's that? When he told Adam to subdue the earth, take dominion exactly. over it? Yes. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yes, I got it right. You've stressed you me out. Right. You got it right. He said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the works of my hand. Now, see, one of the problems we have, fortunately for me, I'm a, rem- I'm a remedial reader, so I read really slow, right? And what happens when I read really slow is I get to pick up some details that people who can read faster than me don't get. Okay? So be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over works in my hand. So here's what I want you to see. This is amazing. See, if you say be fruitful, that makes sense. But if you said do fruitful, would that make sense? That wouldn't make any sense, would it? No. Do fruitful. You wouldn't it's say have fruitful, being. would you? You'd have to. The only, the only verb that goes before fruitful and make sense is be, be fruitful. Fruitfulness is something that you become. Now, when you think about what fruit is, right? A fruit is something whose seed is in itself. What's the seed? The seed is the thing inside of you that self, that reproduces, right? So Mm -hmm. that self-perpetuating part of you, be that, be self-perpetuating, right? And Hmm. and like uh, Warren Wiersbe said, any fool can count the number of seeds in an apple, but only God can count the number of apples in a seed. Whew. So when God's telling us to be fruitful, he's telling us to access and trust that part of that self-perpetuating seed-like nature that he put inside of us. Okay? So that productive nature, that reproductive nature, that producing nature. Okay? So so be fruitful. And then he says multiply. Multiply. Would you say be multiply or would you say have multiply or would you say multiply is a do? Which one? It's a do. It's a do. So be fruitful, do multiply, replenish. Is that be, have, or do? Which one? Um, be fruitful, multiply, replenish. Is replenish a be, a have, or a do? A do. A do. Be fruitful, do multiply, do replenish, and then subdue is also a do, and do subdue. So here's the first thing. Here's the first thing God said to man is be. Second thing he said is do, right? Be fruitful, do multiply, do replenish, do subdue. And then it says, and have, have dominion over the works of my hands. So dominion is something that you have. Does wow. that make sense? Yeah, right? I take a note. So the yeah. very first command God gave man is be, do, have. 
Oh, but it's about to get good. Are you ready? I'm ready. The, by the way, be, do, and have, the platform is time, space, and matter. The parameters are be, do, have. Are you with me so far? I'm with you completely, 100%. Yep. Well, get ready to get with me 100, 100 plus 100 plus 100%. Are you ready? Here we go. Each one of the parameters is for a different part of the platform. So now, because God said be, do, have, now I understand the purpose of time, space, and matter. What do I mean by that? Well, the purpose of time is being. The purpose of space is doing. The purpose of matter is having. The reason God created time is because anything that you are going to become that you are not right now, here's what it's going to take. It's going to take time. That's right. I love the analogy. That that's just I'm just gonna let that simmer for a second because that's <laughs> epic. But you oh, you teach. I heard changer. you teach. I'm sorry. I said game changer. It's game it, changer. It completely is a game changer, Myron. I mean, this is serious stuff, and uh, I think it should give people peace knowing that like there is a structure. You know, people literally feel like the their business is built by abstract luck and circumstance rather than by design and effort and following a process. Uh, but because they don't even think that the process exists, but you're saying that it does exist. Oh, oh, every, there's so much design. There's more design in one cell in your body than there is in the entire Encyclopedia Britannica. Mm-hmm. So that's a whole, that's another conversation for another day. Bro. <laughs> well, how do we apply this to the process? What do we do to begin the growth or be, take the seed and become a tree? How do we do it? Um, so here we go. Be, do, have, being, the purpose of time is for being. The purpose of space is for doing. If you were all wrapped up in cellophane with duct tape around you, you wouldn't have any space around you, what would you be able to do? Nothing. Nothing. So space is absolutely essential to doing. But here's where, here's where this, this really set me free, Right. And a whole lot of other people, too. A lot of people feel bad because they have a desire to have nice things because they don't understand that their desire to have nice things is a God-given desire. Like, God's the one that gave you the desire to have a nice house and a nice car and a nice whatever. God is the one who put that desire for nice things inside of you. Why did he do that? He did that because he knew that if you had a desire to have, you would be willing to do the right thing in order to have it well and he apparently desires to have nice things because everything he made he said it's good it's good it is good good, and very good with humans exactly and and, and here's what's here's what's amazing here's what's amazing josh god said you can have anything you're willing to do the right thing like it's not wrong for somebody to desire to have a million dollar business people say i don't want to be greedy it has nothing to do with greed like if you like my brother asked me one time, one of my brothers, I've got six brothers. One of my brothers asked me one time, he says, so, uh, Myron, um, how much money do you want to make anyway? I said, well, as much as I can. He goes, surely you can't mean that. I said, sure. <laughs> I said, if you said it, surely you wouldn't mean it. But if I said it, oh, you can take it to a bank. I don't already think about it. And I want to make as much as I can. Right. And I said, it's silly. We, 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 we play these stupid games on ourselves. If I, and then I said, you know, how smart do you want your children to be? As smart as they can. How long do you like want to live? I'd want to live as long as I can. How healthy do you want to be while you live? As healthy as I can, right? 
Um, mm-hmm. um, you want to be as healthy as you can. You want to live as long as you can. You want your children to be as smart as you can. And then how much money do you want to make? Uh, just enough to be comfortable. I don't just a reasonable greedy. amount. Yeah. It's, just it's, a reasonable. Nobody yeah. says they want their kids to be just comfortable, rich, smart enough just to be comfortable. Nobody says, I just want to live long enough to be comfortable. We want to squeeze all the juice out of every aspect of our lives. And then we, we play this game because the enemy has made us believe there's something inherently wrong with making money. We play this game like, I don't want to make that much money because, and the real reason we say that is because we don't, we're afraid that people will judge us. Well, once we get or, over, or we're afraid to put in the work required to have it. Okay, or we're afraid to put in the work required to have it. But for people who are willing to put in the work, a lot of those people are afraid that other people are going to think they're greedy if they say, "I want to make as much money as I can." Yeah, I don't even have time. I don't even have the time, the effort, or the energy to worry about thinking about what I think somebody else might be thinking about me. I put about I put less than two. I put less than 2.2 seconds of thought into that per year. <laughs> we talked about that earlier because I'm exactly. struggling with that big time. You ever hear Zig Ziglar is famous for saying something like, you know, what area of your life did God design you to fail in? You ever yeah, hear exactly. That? No, I, I never did. But everything God ever made, he made to succeed. He made the sun to shine, it shines. He made birds to fly, they fly. He made fish to swim, they swim. Well, God made everything. everything people, God doesn't care about success. God doesn't care about anything but success. Everything he made, he made for a purpose, and the, everything he made does that purpose except for human beings because we have a choice. Okay. See how we keep chasing rabbits? This is great. No, this is all, all applicable rabbits to everything. Over, rabbits do all over your podcast. Bro. I love it. <laughs> we're gonna, in fact, we're going to change the name of your podcast to Rabbits Do. I love it. Okay, so. I think I'm going to title this podcast, I Done Think <laughs> Thunk About It. That's what I you said, you said it. to your brother. <laughs> exactly. I don't already think about it. So, anyway. Um, uh, so, so awesome. So, so, so. Now we've got time, space, and matter. You can, so when I taught this, the very first time I taught this in Genesis chapter one, my wife said, but Myron, what's the, if it's okay for us to desire anything that we, you know, to have a nice house, nice car, what's the difference between that and covetousness? I said, well, that answer, that's easy. Covetousness is a desire to have without the willingness to do. That's covetousness. When you desire somebody, like when you desire somebody else's wife or somebody else's husband, for instance, that's covetous because you're desiring to have something that you are were not willing to do the right thing to have. In other words, in order for you to desire somebody, you should be married to them, right? So, so that whole concept, there's nothing wrong with me desiring nice things as long as I'm willing to do the right thing in order to have them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you have to. Or, or, there's a process. If you try to process. skip or break the process, exactly. it doesn't work. Now, here's yeah. what's really cool. Are you ready for this? Here's, what, yes. here's where the system gets really juicy. This is where the parameters get really juicy. I believe that everybody already has 100% of everything they can have who they are right now, which means Ooh. in order for you to do more than you, in order for you to have more than you have, you got to do more than you're doing. But right now mm-hmm. you're doing 100% of everything you can do. In order for you to do more than you're doing, you have to become more than you are. So Ooh. everybody is doing 100% of everything they can do who they are right now. Become more. And doing more will automatically take place. That is legendary. There, I got a nugget to throw back at you that you can use. Throw it uh, back at me. I have, a, I have a friend with a carpet cleaning business in Minnesota. They do $20 million a year. It's huge. Wow. It's only 10 years old, right? Wow. And But what he said that blew my mind is he said, every single system in your business is mm-hmm. perfectly calibrated to give you exactly the result that you're currently getting. And so the, the point he was making was Woo. like... 
You don't ask yourself, should I systemize a business or should I not? No, 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 no. You already have a fully systemized business. It's just they're they're terrible systems. You know, like oh, dude, that is so good. Every say that again. Every every system in your business business is is fully perfectly calibrated to give you exactly the result you're currently getting. getting. Oh my goodness, that's juicy. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I wish I made it up, but I, I don't need to make it up. I'm trying to stand on wow, the shoulders of giants. I'm so trying to like good. mirror what works. And that's what I try to tell the listeners of the show, too. It's like we don't really have to blaze our own trail. We do need to be creative and be our own person. But the structure of how this stuff works it's is been pretty much universal. God set, it up, God set it up from the very beginning, from Genesis chapter 1. So, so, so now... So the fo- see, here's what's really interesting. God put a desire in us to have, and he made that one of our strongest desires. His strongest desire for us is that we become. God knew that if we had a desire to have, we would put a lot of effort into doing, and we would be, we would be so ineffective in our doing that we would finally yield to becoming who he desires us to become so that wow. we can do the thing that we desire to do so we can have the stuff we desire to have. That's how he set it up. And it's all set up for our growth. It's self-evident to me when you think of it like that. It's, un-ar- it's, un- it's not arguable. It's right. It's, it's, it's obvious. Totally, hey, 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 you know what Winston Churchill said? Winston Churchill said, the truth is incontrovertible. Mm-hmm. Ignorance may, it, malice may attack it. Ignorance may deride it. But in the end, there it is. Yeah, capital T truth, baby. Yes, sir. So, so now... We're going we're gonna to wind it up. We're going to wind up the process because this is how God set up. Like this is the most – what I'm talking about right now is the most amazing lesson about that I've ever learned about anything in my entire life. So let's get down to the last little bit of it, shall we? Shall we? Yes, yes, we shall. Okay. So we talked about the platform, which is time, space, and matter. We talked about the parameters, which are be, do, and have. Now, if God's so concerned about us being, the question then becomes, what is the process of becoming? We need to talk about the process. We talked about the platform. We talked about the parameters. Now let's talk about the process. Mm -hmm. What is the process for becoming? The process for becoming is, which is really interesting that it's fourfold, and I think it's fourfold because we're physical human beings, and so we are on a Ford, we are on an earth, the number, like every number in Every number in the Hebrew life, every number in the world has a, has a significance. Like one is the number of God, two is the number of separation. Three, I mean, one is the number of unity, two is the number of separation, three is the number of God, four is the number of the earth. You have four directions, north, east, south, and west. You have the four corners of the earth, the four winds of the earth. So four is the four, number of Four dimensions if you count time as a dimension. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So when you think about that, maybe that's why there are four steps in the process, not three. Right? So time... Mm-hmm. Here's, here are the four steps in the process. Um, imagination, communication, unification, and implementation. That's the process of being. It all starts in the imagination. That's the highest level of value, as you've heard me talk about before, right, is imagination. And when, a per- when, 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 we, have, when we have imagination, communication, um, when we have imagination, communication, unification, and implementation, there's nothing we can't do. Nothing. Mm. So, why do I say that? Well, it's how God set it up. So, where did I get? Where where did I come up with that from? It says, "I'm going to share." And God said, "Let us make man in our image." 
If God said, let us make man in our image, then the image had to exist before God said it. Mm-hmm. There's imagination. That's the highest level of value, right? And then God said, let us make man in our image. So the second level is communication. Wow. Right? But he didn't say, let me make man in my image. What did he say? Let us make man in our image. And by the way, that shows us, just like when God created the crown of his creation, he was congruent. He said, let us make man in our image. When we are the most powerful as human beings, when we are, when we are congruent, when we, are, when, we are, when we have singleness of focus, what, is it, what yes. does it tell us in James chapter 1? It says, the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Well, if any of you lack faith, let him ask of God. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Who giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and is tossed. And it says, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord, because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We must have congruency. Our imagination must match our communication. And our communication must match our implementation. Then we are in alignment, and we are true. We are operating in integrity. Mm. Okay. Oh my God! This, hold on a second. Okay, because I've actually mentioned this these four things briefly on previous episodes. Because I heard them from you, my mind exploded, and I tried to recreate it. And I told them to go to MyronGolden.com, just so you know. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I. But now, this is something I hadn't I, thought. Now you know where I got it from. <laughs> well, now no, my mind's. Because here's the thing. People don't have the congruency with their own self, let alone assembling a team. So they have an imagination of the thing they want, but they, the way they speak to other people, to themselves, to whatever, is not in alignment with that level of thought. Well, and, and they exactly, can't unify. And most, and people, what most people, the outcomes that most people are imagining are not even in alignment with the outcomes that they desire. That's true. They're we desiring about that one earlier, thing too. and imagining <laughs> the exact opposite and wondering why they don't get it. You don't get it because you're not congruent. So you got desire doesn't mean that you're imagining the desire. You, if you're desiring, you need to pur- be purposeful to focus on imagining the thing that you desire, not the thing that you fear, or have anxiety, exactly. or the undesirable outcome. Exactly. Yes, yes. It that has to be sense. in alignment. Okay. Now. Wow. So, and the last thing is implementation. So, if you think God said, "Let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fit. okay," but what's the last thing that God did when He created man, the crown of His creation? Here's the last thing He did. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. There's the implementation. Wow. So you, it's not enough to imagine it, talk about it, and be congruent. You have to eventually do something. Like, you got to take action. Right? And so... Well, if, some people if, just take action, but it's all over the place because they have the place, no exactly. idea what they're even... They, yeah, that makes they sense. They don't understand... They don't understand the platform. They don't understand the parameters. They don't understand the process. But now, this is also why really bad people can achieve a lot too, right? Because they're very focused in the thing they're imagining, and it is congruent even though it's evil. <laughs> exactly. You know what's really interesting? I never even thought of this before. Okay. One is the number of the unity of God, but three is the number of God, right? In fact, like the word Bereshit bara Elohim, Elohim is the first name, that the first title that speaks to who God is, right? Elohim. Well, just like in, in English, when we when something is plural, we put an S on the end. In Hebrew, when something is plural, they put a Yud Mem on the end. It ends in Im, right? Elohim. It's not Elohu, it's Elohim. Elohu would be one, but Elohim is plural, right? So, so three is the number of God. 
So we're talking about Genesis 1-1. We're talking about how God set everything up. And we showed you um, the, the process, imagination, communication, unification, and implementation. Well, guess where the next place we see that same pattern is? Genesis chapter 11. So it's in Genesis chapter 1. And in Genesis chapter 11, you put those three numbers together, you got one, 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 which again is one, but it's still three. I never even saw that until just thought of that until just now. So here, here we go. Are you ready? Genesis I'm ready. chapter 11. I'm going to read something to you. I read this. I thought, that doesn't, wait a minute. What are you talking about? That doesn't, they can't do that. But watch this. Here's what it says. It says, um, in verse number, I'm in the wrong chapter. So let me get to Genesis because if I want to find it, I'm going to have to be in the right place. Hey, that's okay. I'll just take this opportunity to plug your new podcast, which I already listened to the first three episodes. I know it's brand new, but uh, Myron started a podcast called Bible Success Secrets. And if you want to check it out, which I'm certain that you do, then go to iTunes or grab your uh, pod catcher and type it in and subscribe to it and send him feedback. You can also visit him at myrongolden.com. And you can just go on YouTube and Google him, go on Facebook. He does puts out a lot of stuff and it's all amazing. Wow. Thank you, Josh. So here we go. Here's what it says. It says, um, it says uh, Genesis chapter, uh, Genesis chapter 11. It says, and verse four, and they said, go to, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach heaven and let's make a name for us and let's make a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the whole face of the whole, the whole earth. Now we're talking about the 11th chapter in the Bible. We're talking about thousands of years BC. These people are saying, we're going to build a tower whose top can reach heaven. They don't have helicopters. They don't have cranes. They don't have hydraulics. They don't have moving equipment. How are you going to build a tower whose top? When I read that, that's a stupid goal, <laughs> right? But let's let's go read it from verse 1. Well, let, let's, let's go. In fact, let's read verse 5. It says, and the Lord came down, verse 5, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built it. And the Lord said, behold. What am I beholding? The Lord said, behold, this people is one. There's unification. And they all have one language. There's communication. Now this they begin to do. There's implementation. Now nothing will be restrained from them which they've imagined to do. Does it sound like God thought they could do it? There's imagination. Does it sound like God thought they could do it? They, because those are, the, those are the rules. That's how those it works. The, of course they could do it. That's how he set up the process. Yes. Exactly. The, they had imagination, communication, unification, and implementation. So God said, nothing will be refrained from them, which they've imagined to do. So if, if it were me and I didn't want them to do this thing that they were doing, because they, they were basically saying, I'm going to build a tower whose top, whose, whose top can reach heaven, make a name for ourselves. Because if God sends another flood, we want to be able to last through it. And we don't want to be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. If I was going to stop them from doing that, I might send some lightning bolts. If I was God, I might send some lightning bolts, I might send a couple earthquakes, a couple tidal waves. I got them covered, right? right. How, did God <laughs> How did God stop them? How did God stop them? from doing this thing that they should not, using these powers that he gave them for evil, this process. How did he stop them? Here's what it says. It says, and the Lord said, behold, this people's one, they all have one language, and they all have one, um, they all, this people's one, they have one language, and this they begin to do. Now nothing will be restrained from them, which they've imagined to do. Go to, let us go down there, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence, upon the face of the whole earth, and they left off to build the city. God confused their language so they couldn't understand each other, and they stopped building. And, you know, as you mention it like this, Myron, it's he could have done those other things, but he did mm -hmm. it that way to plant a little breadcrumb trail so that yep. you could see him 
crossing off one of the four ways that it works and breaking the whole thing apart. Yep. So uh, this is insane, and it does apply to business perfectly. It, it applies to everything. It applies everything it applies to family, business, relationships, health, everything. Right. If you're not unified with your wife, if you're not putting in the work, implementing, you're not communicating. You don't have a like-minded exactly. vision or goal. You know, I have a boot camp. It's it's a decently priced product, and the reason I price it, it's over a thousand dollar course, is because people who don't pay don't pay attention and all that stuff. Come but on now. Yeah. The other <laughs> the other thing is I want people to get an outcome, right? Like I desire so bad that people have transformation, not just information. Yep. And but but what I was going to say is that um, the very first module in my boot camp is called what is your why? Like mm-hmm. if if we don't have the destination locked on, we can't do anything. If I don't know where we're trying to go, how do I reverse engineer a business around it to drive us there, right? Mm. Uh, but people miss it. They don't even because in a lot of reason with my audiences, they came out of the service industry. They're I call them blue collar entrepreneurs. They're fighting mm-hmm. the good fight. They're not business owners yet, they're self-employed, but what happens is right. they didn't leave their job to follow a vision, they left it just to escape a mean boss or to mm-hmm. be in control of their time. So they, they didn't have like a, a big mountaintop that they were going for as much as they were trying to escape, you know, the slavery of their cubicle type of thing. Wow. So good. Yeah. It's pretty insane. Well, you've been way more than generous than I could have ever possibly hoped for with this. I can't wait to meet you. In fact, I'm, I just sent you a book on Amazon that we talked about earlier, too. Dude, you're <laughs> so, awesome. So let me th- know what you think about that. And then the next time I'm in Florida, I will stalk you and bring my camera and just take notes and eat popcorn while you keep talking to me. Um, <laughs> Sounds but, like a plan, but we got to do it over the golf course, bro, because that's how I roll. <laughs> do you have any final thoughts or inspiration specifically for blue-collar entrepreneurs trying Trying to achieve a legacy for their family, trying to build something significant, but really feeling stuck. What would you encourage them to do? Um, The first thing I would encourage them to do is learn as much as they can about not about business and then about and about people and about their business. Like become a student of life, business and people. And why do I say that? Because here's what I know. I know that everybody listening to this podcast right now is one idea away from their breakthrough. They're one idea away from their fortune. They're one idea away from their million-dollar brand. They're one idea away. There was a time when Bill Gates was one idea from Microsoft. Sam Walton was one idea from, my, from, from, from Walmart. Steve Jobs was one idea from Apple. And right now, you are one idea away. And, until, and, the, and, and I would love to tell you where that one idea is. And Josh would love to tell you where that one idea is. But the reality is we don't know. So you have to look everywhere. Go to the seminars. Go to at least one seminar a month to get better at your craft. Read at least one book a month to get better at your craft. Listen to at least one podcast a week, at least one. Now, those of us who are kind of like over the top and we just love learning, we'll listen to more podcasts than that and go to more conferences. But just like make it, make your life and your business a priority. And I believe if you'll do that, in your lifetime, you will find that one idea that will take you over the top. Yeah, you can't be scared to invest in yourself. I got to be honest; it, it, I felt weird when I sent Russell Brunson that all that money for to be in the inner circle. Mm-hmm. But the moment I wired it, we sent a wire. It was mm-hmm. like ga- game on because game I on. have Let's devoured and focused and implemented. We've made I made two hundred grand back off that investment at least already, and we're not mm-hmm. even halfway through my membership. But the wow. point is, though, it's it's not that Russell gave me a f- special uh, magic fairy 
dust or like I call he it. Doesn't have any magic. He doesn't have right. any spoofle dust for you. No spoofle it's, dust. It's not that he has lots of nuggets, but what it is, it's it's the accountability coupled with a higher level community, coupled with a big pay to play fee. Is, a, mm-hmm. is almost a guarantee for success. I mean, you so got to level. Dude. So you're the, good. If you're the smartest person in the room, get in a new room, right, Myron? Come on now. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> get a, please get in a new room because you're not doing yourself any favor being the smartest person in your room. No. Yeah, I just want to, like, and here's the reality. Here's the reality, dude. Like, a lot, like, in my everyday life, as far as business people go, I'm the dude, right? I go to the inner circle meeting to our, our inner circle mastermind. Not only am I not the smartest person in the room, I feel like everybody there knows so much stuff that I don't know. I can learn from every single solitary person in that space. It's so it is it's so worth the money we spend to be in that space. I honestly feel dumb for doubting it in the first place because it goes against what I tell people to do all the time. It's just mm. it was a new level for me in my personal education. Sure. But sure. Uh, so I have massive compassion. Everybody listening, I hope this has been valuable to you. I know it has. If 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 you need to listen to this seven times, you know, get mm. in, get in a new room, change your community, change your, you know, fire some of your friends, you know, make the hard decisions, make radical changes so you can have a radical result. Myron came from literally nothing. He drove a trash truck. He's generated millions and millions. And we were just talking before I hit record on his business plan this year to do ten million with a new funnel that he's launching. Guess what? He's going to do it. It's not about the money. It's about creation. It's about the ripple effect. It's about Absolutely. living your purpose. And I hope everybody is understanding both of our hearts with this to help and serve them. Myron, thank you. Um, I can't wait to meet you in, in, in real life, my friend. Oh, I'm looking forward to it too, Josh. So blessings to you and your family. And to all the folks listening to the podcast, my best wishes for you. Go out and go out and live your best life now. You can. You deserve the best because you give your best. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Myron. Have a great one. Hey, thanks for hanging out, friends. And from all of us here at the Quick Talk Podcast team, we hope you love today's show. We hope that you were inspired to become a doer and not just a listener. Apply what you've heard today in your own business and watch things change for the better. Lastly, remember that all the money in the world can't save your soul. Seek first the kingdom of God, my friends. We'll see you next time. For more information about the Quick Talk Podcast or Joshua's other businesses, visit our website, quicktalkpodcast.com. Have a blessed day.